Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you to Rosie B and PDM for the great Monday afternoon mix. And it was a lot of fun with Patrick. And so thank you for uh, that hour. And if you missed any of it, I always encourage you to go to MyFaithRadio.com because you can just go through the list of the shows and the speakers and you can figure out what you want to listen to and what uh, what you have time for. But I'm always glad when Ken Samples joins me because it's an hour where I get filled with incredible wisdom and information. Ken is not only a theologian, but he's a philosopher, and he loves uh, helping people understand their reasonableness and the relevance of the Christian truth claims. He's a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe, and he's author of several books, including Christianity Cross-Examined, Classic Christian Thinkers, and God Among Sages. Today we're going to talk about the 10 ways the Spirit works in our salvation. Can hardly wait. Ken, welcome. Hello, Bill. It's good to be with you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, crazy world right now. It's uh, boy, oh boy. lots to be uh, praying about, and this is uh, an unusual time. feels that way anyway. It, no, I completely agree. Well, I'm glad to have uh, this hour with you. I always look forward to it. I always, uh, listeners love you, and I love you, and it's always great to hear what's coming up come out of your uh, wisdom. So I would love to jump into this, the 10 ways in which the Spirit works in our salvation. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about uh, this topic, and uh, I remember a, a good friend of mine who was a theologian, he sometimes describes the Holy Spirit, Bill, as the shy member of the Trinity. <laughs> and uh, I, I like that reference because the Spirit's always drawing attention to the Father and, and to the Son. And I think sometimes that we kind of lose sight of the Holy Spirit. Um, the, the Holy Spirit is fully divine, like the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit is also fully a person like the Father and the Son. And so, uh, you know, while there are different Christian groups that kind of emphasize either the Father, the Son, or the Spirit, for example, I think Eastern Orthodoxy has a very special place for the Father. I think evangelicals, it's typically the Son, Pentecostals, the Spirit. But the, but the great news is that these three members of the Godhead are all working for our salvation. And uh, so I love to talk about the Holy Spirit. I, I love it too. And I, I don't know if people understand the Holy Spirit as well as they could or should. I know I probably fall into that category or have over my Christian uh, life. So it's always good to hear more and learn more. And I, I think all of us are excited to hear um, what the Spirit, how the Spirit works in our salvation. Yeah. Uh, number one, um, the, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. And, and of course, here I have in mind uh, John's Gospel, chapter 16, where it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I do go, I will send him to you. 
And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's a remarkable passage because Jesus is going away, and he says it's a good thing. And no doubt the apostles are scratching their head thinking, how in the world would you leaving us be a good thing? Well, because he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not a, a force or a radar beam. The Holy Spirit is a divine person, but unlike the incarnate Christ, the Holy Spirit is everywhere present, and so he is going to be able to come uh, in, a, in a very powerful way. And of course, I think Bill, this passage also indicates to us how intimate the relationship is, the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But, you know, remarkably, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin. And of course, if we don't become cognizant of our sinfulness, our brokenness, our fallenness, then we uh, don't know of our need for the salvation in Jesus Christ. And mm -hmm. so, that's such a critical part of being open to the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, and, and often the Spirit uses Scripture to convict us, but other times He can do it through conscience, and He can do it through circumstances as well. Mm -hmm. So, Ken, let me ask you this. Let's say you're a Christian that you've only been a believer for two or three years, and you say to me, yeah, you know, I, I love being a Christian, but uh, I'm still going to cheat on my taxes a little bit because I, I you know, I, I gotta, I gotta get what I deserve and, and, you know, I'm, I'm paying too many taxes anyway. Now, would you say, well, should I say to you, Ken, that's, you're not thinking through this clearly, or do I think to myself, the Holy Spirit has not yet convicted Ken of that area of his life, or is the answer both? Well, I, I think it probably is. It is both. I mean, uh, I don't want to pay any more taxes than I have to. <laughs> I just use that as an on, example, of course. But yet, on the other hand, you know, this is interesting because yesterday at church, I was uh, praying and, and thinking it was right after communion where there's kind of a lull in the service. And I was praying and I felt convicted that uh, here at Reasons to Believe, we have kind of like a snack room. And they just kind of trust you to put your money in there and take your snack. And I thought, you know, I need to go over there and put money in that. There have been times where I, you know, took a uh, an energy bar at three o'clock in the afternoon because I, I was kind of uh, needed some energy. But, you know, this, of course, is kind of an innocent example. But there were times where I thought, look, um, I want everything to be on the up and up. And. I think the Holy Spirit can, and, and he does those kinds of things. And and I think you're right, Bill, there is growth in our sanctification. I mean, that's a very small thing, but um, it's important to me that I that I be as honorable in my behavior as possible. Mm -hmm. But if you look at any person's sanctification journey it, it, through their walk with Christ, they're going to have times when they're going to realize that their behavior was not appropriate, and they're going to go back and repent and then live life differently. That doesn't all happen on the day of conversion. That's, that's exactly right. Sanctification is, is a long process. Uh, it's difficult. Sometimes it's uh, one step forward, two steps back. Um, but it is 
something that the Holy Spirit, I mean, it is part of our salvation, just as we have been justified, we've been declared not guilty, we've been acquitted because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but yet now we're in the process of, of the Lord changing us and, and working in us, and uh, again, I wish uh, I was more advanced in that process than, than I am, but it, it doesn't be begin, you know, it, it, it is a process rather than just an event. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Um, the Spirit convicts us of our sin. I love that passage in John. That was from chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. All right, let's, um, let's move on to um, another one, Ken. Number two, the Spirit regenerates us. This is a really an important passage, one of my favorites, Titus 3, 4, and 5. It's the Spirit working in our salvation again. Um, Paul writes, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Um, Really have the Trinity in this verse, Bill. Um, It it has the the Son coming from the Father, the the Savior, his, his life and death, uh, the Holy Spirit. But the term regeneration means God gives us new life. He, uh, we're, if, if we think of the biblical metaphor that we're dead in sin or we're dead in Christ, the Spirit regenerates our soul, and uh, he, is, he is actively involved. This is why I like to talk about the Trinity and say that salvation is from the Father, by the Son, or from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit who comes upon the church. It's the Spirit that comes into our life and and regenerates us, gives us new life in Christ. And Ken, there shouldn't be any true believer that has any um, apprehension about the word regenerate. That's that's right on the money. Um, You know, salvation is not something your parents can do for you. It's not something that somebody else can do for you, your denomination. Uh, Regeneration, the newness of life in Christ, is is a deeply personal encounter between you and God, and in this context, between the Spirit. But again, the Spirit is cooperating with the Son, supporting the work of the Son, uh, that's why it's so important, again, to think about the three members of the Trinity, and especially the Spirit. No, Ken, I don't want to get off this topic quite yet, because it's so important that I think we let listeners know how significant the regeneration is. There are a lot of uh, people who may call themselves a Christian, but may not have had that regeneration. They may have voted yes for God and and believed that there was a God, but have they really come to saving faith? Have they... Um, repented and, and have they been regenerated by the Holy Spirit and been transformed by the renewing of their mind? Yes. Um, and, and and again, people come to Christianity through many means. Uh, some people come at a revival meeting and they uh, come forth and and are invited to, to embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. Other people uh, are born into Christian families, and maybe their, their life of faith begins as, as a young child, and they grow into faith. 
But the reality is that all of us are dead in our sins, and we need new life in Christ. We need that washing of the Holy Spirit. And so Christian theological systems have different ways of approaching this issue, uh, but all of God's children have been born into the family and have been given new life in Christ. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. All right, Ken, let me take a short uh break. We're talking to uh, theologian and philosopher Ken Samples from Reasons to Believe. You can learn more about him at reasons.org. He's an author of several books, including Christianity Cross-Examined, Classic Christian Thinkers, and God Among Sages. Always glad to have him as a regular monthly guest. We're talking today about the 10 ways the Spirit works in our salvation. Be right back. appreciate that Ken Samples thinks about things in such a deep way. He's a philosopher and a theologian. That's a, a great mix. We're talking today about the 10 ways the Spirit works in our salvation. And the first one was the Spirit convicts us of our sin. Number two, the Spirit regenerates us. If you're just joining us, you're just in time for the third point. Ken? Yeah, number three, the, the Spirit enables us to say with true conviction, Jesus is Lord. Amen. And here is uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. It's that Paul, again, writing, says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, Bill, the earliest creedal statement, if you will, was Jesus Kurios in Greek, Jesus is Lord. What's so critical about this passage is uh, the Lord there is really a reference to Yahweh. To say Jesus is Lord in a Jewish context is to say Jesus is Yahweh. He hmm. is God in human flesh. So Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, Paul says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord. But Paul reminds us that it is always the Holy Spirit. It's his grace. It's his power working in us that helps us uh, to make that true confession, to believe it with conviction. Mm -hmm. And so we're saved by grace, we're kept by grace, we're influenced by grace, and uh, the Holy Spirit is a, a remarkable person of grace. Ken, if someone confesses Jesus is Lord, what are they confessing? Well, they're saying that, uh, they're saying that Jesus is the Lord God. Um, again, in the Old Testament, the, the word, the, the great word for Lord, often in English, it's in, it's in all capital letters. Um, kurios, Lord, means that uh, it's the Greek word for Yahweh. And so to say Jesus is Lord, he is the king, he is the ruler. He's not only the master of my life, but he is the master of the universe. And I, I think in light of events happening today where it seems like the world's upside down and we don't have a lot of control, um, to say Jesus is Lord is also to say the devil is not, mm. Caesar is not, uh, Putin is not, 
Uh, our own president is not. Jesus is king and ruler. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit enables us to do that. Because when people say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, now they're setting up two descriptors of Jesus. One would be the Savior of my soul, and the other would be the authority of my life? Yes, exactly. And uh, and and again, you know, there are times where you might ask someone, well, do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Well, yeah, I do, or no, I don't. But to say it, but then to say it with conviction means that it's coming out of that regenerated soul again. I love that. And I, I'm i in agreement completely, Ken. There are, you know, the question I think some people I want to ask is, who has that place of authority in your life? And if you say, well, I mean, I like going to church, but, you know, I run a successful business and I like doing a lot of stuff my way. And then you start to wonder how much authority does God have in your life if you've put God in a compartment? I think it's very easy, Bill. Uh, We live in the West. Uh, The West, compared to the East, has lots of prosperity. There are lots of benefits living in a uh, democracy. Um, You know, we, we have many benefits Uh, It's easy to take things for granted and to think and begin to think that I'm in control of my life. uh, I'm educated. I achieved this job. I have this wealth. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Of course, uh, you learn very quickly when cancer comes into your life or when you lose a loved one uh, that you're not the master of your own fate. And uh, in the early church, it was not easy to be a Christian. There was lots of persecution. To say Jesus is Lord is not only to say he is the master of my life, but again, the clash with that world system of, well, what about all these pagan deities? What, what about Caesar? I mean, that was, that was one of the big problems that got Christians in trouble. It's okay to believe in Jesus, but you start saying he's Lord, then you're conflicting with the Roman Caesar. Uh, Jesus has to be Lord to the exclusion of all others. And Ken, you yourself had a little brush with what you thought was maybe the end of your life. How did that change you? Yeah, well, I I think that in a very big way, Bill, I I recognized how quickly things could be just taken away. I mean, I went to work on a Wednesday. And uh, by Sunday morning, um, the doctor said, uh, you are seriously ill. We have to transfer you to another hospital, and they'll evaluate you. Uh, And I was being told by the emergency room doctor, get your house in order. Mm. And I'm thinking, three days ago, I was just at work, and now my life is turned upside down. I think something that I'll I'll always take with me is, again, I'm not the master of my own fate. I I am a very responsible person. I try to work hard. I try to be disciplined in everything that I do. But uh, I'm a creature. And I am a creature in this world. I have limitations. I have boundaries. And uh, I I think my illness has taught me that I need to stay connected uh, to my Lord. And the way I do that is through his word and by his spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. How has that experience affected your close relationships and how you think about money and how you think about 
how you're using your time, all of that? Well, I I recognize, uh, you know, I was 45 when I had this illness. It was back in 2003, so it's been some time ago. But I was 45, and I thought, uh, am I afraid to die? I don't think I'm afraid to die, but I felt great sorrow at the idea that I may lose my my wife, my kids will grow up without a father. That was uh, difficult to swallow. You know, you never know how long your life is going to be or how short it's going to be. I, I think we we have to say things to people that we care about and and not live as if, you know, we've got all the time in the world to, uh, you know, unravel and make those problems right. So um, it, it has given me a sense that I, I need to be on point. I, I need to be living my life uh, focused in, in the things that are real priorities of my life. Yeah. No matter how long you live, life is short. Correct. All right. Let's um, jump into number four. And that is the Spirit reveals Christ to us. Yeah. A- again, the idea that uh, that the three members of the Trinity, uh, the Father, you know, we don't often talk about the salvation coming from the Father. We often talk about the Son. It's the Father who sends his Son into the world. It's his Son who says on the cross, in, in his agony on the cross, it is finished. It's completed. But it's the Holy Spirit that then applies it to our life. And again, here is 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. Paul says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one can comprehend the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. It's such a rich verse, Bill. Hmm. Some people say the Holy Spirit is not a person or he's not divine. But here I think Paul clearly refutes that. He says that the Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God, knows the mind of God. Well, no one can know the mind of God but God himself. And so it is, again, the spirit that searches. It's the spirit that knows our heart, our intentions, our motivations. And again, he he brings us to an, an, an awareness of God. I, I love the word ally. Again, my father was a combat soldier in the Second World War, and I, I, I love it when the allies work together to confront uh, tyranny well, I like to think of the members of the Trinity as three allies. They're working together on my behalf. And that brings me great joy to yeah, know that. That's outstanding. Ken Samples is my guest. We're chatting today about the 10 ways the Spirit works in our salvation. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back with lots more of Ken Samples.
I bet this hour's got you thinking, because it has me thinking. Ken Samples is my guest. He's a philosopher and a theologian from Reasons to Believe. Go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. He's an author and a very uh, brilliant thinker. We're talking today about 10 ways the Spirit works in our salvation. If you just jumped in your car, first one was the Spirit convicts us of our sin. The second one is the Spirit regenerates us. The third one was the Spirit enables us to say with true conviction, Jesus is Lord. And the fourth one, the Spirit reveals Christ to us. And Ken, I have to say that 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 are, are passages I want to memorize. Yeah, they're so rich. They are so uh, rich. They are very deep here. And and again, I, I think sometimes people who look at the Bible, they think, well, how do I, how do you get the Trinity out of that? Well, a lot of times in looking at the intimacy of these verses, how how close uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are, they do the same things. They work in tandem with one another. Yeah, very, very rich. Mm, I love that. All right, let's move on to number five of the ten. Yeah, the Spirit enables us to worship authentically. And here is a passage from Philippians 3.3. 3. Paul says, for we are, the, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You know, there's a couple things that jump out at me there, Bill. Uh, I've had secular people say, you know, what's the deal with God? He wants to be worshipped? What kind of vanity is that? Well, think about who God is. God is infinite goodness. God is infinite justice and infinite love, the greatest conceivable good in God. That's something we should want to attach ourselves to, uh, to worship. But you know, there are times when I go to church on Sunday, I've got 10 things I'm thinking about tomorrow morning on Monday. You know, I've got issues I'm trying to deal with, um, but it's the Holy Spirit that allows us to engage in real worship. The, the only way we can really know God, the only way we can acknowledge Him, worship Him, is by God working in us, and the way He works in us is His Holy Spirit, and giving us the capacity to, to genuinely turn ourselves over to, to the Lord. And so I think that, uh, I think what's remarkable here is there are certain terms that are said of the Spirit. He is our comforter. He is our helper. He is our advocate. I mean, if you're going through tough times, if you've got pain and sorrow and difficulty in your life, if the world does seem upside down and turn on the television, you'll see it. But that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our, he is our helper. He is the one is, that is on our side, and that, I think, will, will encourage people, even, even in very difficult times. Mm, I would agree, and I would love for you to say a little bit more on the end of Philippians 3.3, 3, where it says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and then this part, and put no confidence in the flesh. Would you say a little bit more about that part of the verse? Yes, I think it's clearly important here. Paul is Paul is saying people can go through the motions. Uh, Christianity can just become 
you know, a, a part of what I do. I, you know, I go bowling. I, uh, I have a job and, you know, I, I go to church on Sunday. Uh, no, to worship God is to have our souls to come in union with God. And in terms of the flesh, we have a, a battle with the flesh. Sanctification is a contact sport. And uh, to put no confidence in, in my, own, my own fleshiness, my own fallenness, but to be transformed by God's Spirit. Mm-hmm. Did you just throw bowling out as a random, random example, or do you actually bowl? Uh, well, I, my high game was 202, but that was about 30 years ago. Okay. I, I probably would, my arm would be out of socket if I today. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't I don't want to brag, but my high game was 121. Thank you. Well, that's uh I am glad you know that. Yeah. That's yeah. that's good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's uh move on to number 6. Yes, the spirit imparts God's love to us. I mean, think about that, Bill. What's more important than knowing that God loves you? Um it, it's you know, all of us have incomplete lives. All of us are broken. We have weaknesses. We have proclivities. Um, we sin in our thoughts and in our words and our deeds by what we do, by what we fail to do. It's easy to get on the treadmill of thinking, uh, God only loves me if or when. Um, but God loves us. And, uh, he does, you know, he loves us as we are. He will not leave us where we are. That's the role of the Holy Spirit uh, to transform us. But the Spirit imparts God's love to us. This is Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Notice uh, Paul is really the theologian of the Holy Spirit. He talks so intimately about the Spirit that that it is the Spirit that shows us God's love. And, and again, how important that is. Um, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that, you know, nothing in our life remains except kind of our neediness. <laughs> well, we need God. We need the Holy Spirit to be working, and we need to fill our mind with these passages and to reflect on them and, and hold on to them during these very difficult times, because, you know, doubt, doubt happens and difficulties happen, and these passages are just, by the way, it's the Holy Spirit who inspires the text of Scripture. When you're talking to people about God and before they become a believer, it's probably very hard for them to understand that God loves them, okay? But then when they come to faith, they have a, still have a hard time understanding how God loves them. I don't think it's until you get saturated in the in the Word do you start to understand God's love for you, and it's revealed through the Holy Spirit. Yes, right on the money, um, How and how important that is. And, and of course, I use that apologetically. I say, well, you know, uh, in the Islamic religion, uh, Allah has an attribute of love. That's one of the 99 names in the Quran, the loving in Arabic. And yet, who does he love? in eternity who did he did before he created angels and human beings but with the trinity you have these three persons that are a community they're analogous to a loving family 
and God's love within the Trinity flows out upon us. And, and again, it, it is easy. Uh, it, it is easy. And I, I, when I talk with many Christians, I will often say to them, you know, how are you doing? Well, I'm having a bad week. And, you know, they think God is always wrathful and angry toward them. Uh, and, of course, there's plenty of room for repentance and confession and all of that. But, Bill, lots of people walk through the Christian life not aware of what God has done for us and how he exhibits his love. And, and again, the Holy Spirit is the bearer of that good news to us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Ken. All right, let's move on to number seven. Yes, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit dwells in us. Uh, we are, of course, in flesh souls. Uh, we're a union of body and soul or body and spirit. But the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. Romans 8, 11, again, the author, the Apostle Paul, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, so the, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Well, again, a, a remarkable statement that it's the Holy Spirit that raised the Son from the dead, and that Spirit lives in us. He dwells within us. Talk about intimacy. Wow. Talk about points of contact. You know, lots of people, uh, I think the COVID-19 has has heightened the awareness that people feel lonely. They feel detached. They, they feel a, a, a sorrow. Well, the Holy Spirit is right there with us. He is with, within us. And the same power that conquered death in the resurrection of Christ, that power is in us. It's in the person of the Spirit. So, uh, during times of loneliness, during times of difficulty, we need to know that the Holy Spirit is with us. In fact, He indwells us. That, it's such an awesome thought. That you really yeah. can. I hope everyone hears that and realizes that this third person of the Trinity lives in you if you have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit and are born again. It, it is it is a remarkable statement. Uh, I mean, these passages are, they say such remarkable things about God's Spirit that I think that this is kind of a lesson that I like to give to people who are discouraged, uh, to people that are, feel like they're burned out, people who are going through difficult times. Um, again, I think what I think what Paul is telling us here through through his writing and through the Spirit is that God is closer to us than than any family member than any friend. Uh, God is right there with us. He he indwells us, and I just can't imagine anything greater than something like that. That that God loves me and and indwells my very being. Mm. Do you ever think about the Holy Spirit living in you? So anytime you do something that involves sin, you're basically putting him through that. I, I think that's a, 
I think that's a great way of thinking about it. I mean, you know, there are times I'm oblivious to, to my sin. And quite frankly, there are other times I'm quite aware of what I'm doing is sinful. But to think of that thought that the Spirit indwells me, that um, I'm in contact with God, and now I'm engaging in behavior, thought, word, or deed mm-hmm. that is that that is so contrary to to the Holy Spirit. I again, I think a lot of things about the Christian faith, Bill. We need to be reminded. We need to be retold. We need to be constantly reminded the importance of reading Scripture, the importance of going to church, hearing these these truths. Because our, our we're like leaky vessels, and it and it leaks outside of us. Mm-hmm. Ken Samples is my guest. He's a philosopher and theologian, and we're having a lovely discussion on the ten ways the Spirit works in our salvation. If you missed any of this, you're going to want to hear all of them. So make sure you go to myfaithradio.com. Check out the podcast. It's up on Afternoons with Bill show page. We've got three left to go. When we return, we'll get them all done. find Ken Samples, my guest. He's a professor. He's also a theologian, a philosopher. You go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. Always glad to have him on. We're talking today, if you just joined us, about um, the 10 ways in which the cell, uh, the Holy Spirit works in our salvation. And Ken, I just had a, a text message come in. Is it okay to sing that song, Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here? I'm assuming yes, but I've wondered about that song. I see no problem. I think we we want to communicate uh, how grateful we are. We want to communicate uh, how we can often resist the spirit um, that that our sinfulness uh, needs the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I'm glad that people are talking about the Holy Spirit and the unique role that he he plays. Mm-hmm. All right, we're up to number eight, and I love this one. This is uh, one I think a lot of people are going to want to hear a lots on. Yes. You know, I'll tell you, Bill, personally, memorizing Scripture is comes easy for me. And talking about theology and debating theology, that that's just natural to me. But praying is harder. And uh, here in Romans 8, 26 and 27, Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Again, um, you know, living the Christian life is is challenging. Being disciplined in prayer, it's easy to watch television. It's easy to go to a sporting event. Think of the time that you invest. 
but prayer is such a critical part of the Christian life because it shows our, our need for God, our desire to communicate. And if prayer is difficult for you, as, as, as it is for me, uh, the Holy Spirit's my helper. He comes alongside. Uh, you know, we, we talk in theology uh, uh, about uh, one who comes alongside to help. Uh, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. That's the that's the Holy Spirit, and and I'm convinced, Bill, that there are times when I'm praying, there are things going on I'm not even totally aware of, that God is is working in my life and allowing me to participate in worship of God and prayer in a way that transcends my own finitude. Well said, Ken, because I sometimes will open in prayer saying, Father, you obviously have information about my life that I don't have. <laughs> Isn't that so true? I mean, we... Like everything. It, it, it is so important to acknowledge uh, our weaknesses, our, yes. to, to, to live humbly, to, to recognize that, you know, we are, after all, creatures and, and blind creatures because of our sin. Number nine, uh, the, the Spirit incorporates us into the church. You know, again, a lot of times we think, uh, well, I decided to become a Lutheran, or I decided to become a Baptist, or, you know, I, I'm the one who goes to church. But in a spiritual context, the Holy Spirit is the one who not only regenerates us, who not only indwells us, who teaches us to prayer, to pray, but he, he brings us into that authentic church. And here's the passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. You know, again, I think of our nation and the divisions over race and gender and class. But here's the Apostle Paul saying, no difference between Jew, Gentile, slave-free, male, female, all are one in Christ, all are one and drinking of the one spirit. Wow, what a, what a revolutionary concept uh, in the first century where uh, you think there are class distinctions now. It was even worse then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... And the Holy Spirit uh, will also convict us of our, will we'll confirm our eternal security as well, which is a beautiful thing. Absolutely. We, uh, we need to be reminded, we need to get, be given assurance uh, that the work that God's done in us, he will bring it to completion. And number 10 is one that I love too. It is that the Spirit makes us realize that God is our Father. Galatians 4, 6, and and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I love these passages, Bill, because they indicate that salvation really is a gift of grace. Salvation is not something we accomplish. Salvation is not something we earn. That doesn't mean there isn't a very critical role for a life of good works. Uh, salvation by grace means that God motivates us uh, to live lives of gratitude. And so, uh, you know, 
Luther and Calvin in the Reformation would often say, you know, faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. It's always pregnant with good works. I like that. And, and in this passage, we, we recognize that God is our Father. I mean, there are, there are many things about God that uh, make us insecure. He's holy and righteous. Uh, he, he has all of these omne attributes. Uh, the scriptures say, what would it be like to fall into the hands of a God like this? But you know, he's our father, and it's the spirit that tells us that. You know, there, there are times I think, Bill, what will it be like to stand in the presence of God and to give account of our life? And God will work through our life, and we will be rewarded, or there are passages that indicate that maybe some of our works will be burned up, and I think, wow, uh, you know, I'm going to be pretty uncomfortable in that context of uh, look at, look at the, look at the inconsistencies in my life, look at the phoniness at times in my life, and all of that's going to be burned up, but mm. you know what? I can do it because God's my Father. Hmm. I can do it because I know the Father, and I I know the Father by the Spirit. And and again, Jesus and the Spirit pointing us back to the Father, the Father sending the Son. This intimate relationship between the persons of the Trinity. So, question came in, Ken: Is it correct to pray for fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? I think it is clearly biblical to do that. Um, I, I, there is, uh, the Holy Spirit never departs from us, but uh, to, be, to be filled, to, to be brought back to a greater awareness, uh, to be brought back to a recognition of that truth, uh, to, to ask the Lord to, to make us more cognizant, to help us to remember all of those things. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Just, just don't forget that that permanent presence within us by the Holy Spirit, uh, we might offend him, we might cause him uh, pain and sorrow, but he's not going to leave us. That's so good. So what about praying? Do you uh, ever prayed to the Holy Spirit? I do. Um, you know, the, the, the traditional Christian prayer, and I think rightly so, Jesus taught us to pray. We, we pray to the Father. We pray in the name or the authority of the Son. We pray by the power of the, of the Holy Spirit. But they're all three distinct persons. They're not separate persons. Bill and I and Rosie, we're three separate persons. The three persons in the Godhead are distinct persons, but there are times where uh, I am asking specific things. You know, sometimes when it comes to sorrow, I might pray to Jesus and say, Lord, you know what it's like to, to suffer difficulty. There are other times when it comes to a person coming to know the Lord, or even the writing of a, a book that I'm working on. I said, Holy Spirit, give me insight to how I can craft this book so that you can use it to touch people and, and to move people. Uh, and there are times where I'll pray to the Father. Now, my traditional prayer is, again, a Trinitarian prayer, but uh, there isn't anything wrong with recognizing that they are distinct persons and they can be addressed in prayer. 
Mm. Ken, in John 16, 8, it says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, think about uh, think about Jesus going away. And, uh, and again, the disciples are scratching their head. How could it be good for us to lose our Lord? Well, when the Holy Spirit comes, there is going to be these remarkable events of the Spirit coming on the church, convicting people of their sins, uh, re- recognizing that, that uh, our sin set, sets us apart from God, and only repentance can, can bring us close. So these are, these are remarkable events. Uh, I like to say, Bill, that, that the Father has given us the, his two great gifts. Uh, and Irenaeus, an early church father, he said that, he used an analogy, he said, the Son and the Spirit are like the Father's right and left hand. Mm. And I think of it that way, the, the two gifts that the Father, does God love you? Does God the Father love you? Well, look what He's given you. Yeah. He's given you His Son and His Spirit. Ken, Rosie just waved at me like, hey, you're not looking at the clock because we're out of time. So this is me being involved in a conversation with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, it's been great. Ken Samples has been my guest. You can go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. What a fast couple of hours. I hope you enjoyed it. I've loved being with you, and I hope you have a wonderful night. I'm looking forward to spending time with you tomorrow. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.